Hello everyone, welcome to Nerd Unscripted. This is your host and teacher. I guess I'm a teacher uh, with this stuff. Uh, I'm your host storyteller. How about that? Uh, Tony Leidig. And uh, this week we're going to talk about something that um, some of you may have experienced. All of these topics that we cover you know, I would imagine touch different folks in different ways. Um, this week, uh, kind of comes from my uh, my past, maybe starting 16, 17 years ago. And uh, it was really brought to, um, brought to light again uh, just a few nights ago in a dream that I had, actually. Um, it's let's see probably Sunday night I guess actually um, but as I mentioned in the uh, Facebook group around 15 years ago I guess it actually started in 2001 so 17 years ago um, my first wife and I had a nonprofit called uh, healing the land and one of the things that we did um, a lot was uh, we were pretty heavily involved uh, with First Nations people, Native American uh, groups, tribe, different tribes and such. And one of our goals was to help bring reconciliation um, between uh, Native and non-Native people groups. And uh, so as a result, we recognized pretty early on that um, it wasn't just about saying I'm sorry, um, that the land was also affected in um, some of the things that have happened here, specifically since we live here in the U.S. Um, you know, the things happened over the, you know, hundreds of years in the U.S. And uh, we noticed more and more as we got involved with all of this that there were some very specific things, um, some patterns um, that I picked up on uh, in doing my research. It's a very research-heavy kind of um, thing that we were doing. And as a result, uh, we gained a lot of uh, popularity in uh, doing the level of research that we did and trying to figure out how to reverse engineer issues because we noticed like certain areas would be like really uh, depressed economically, um, and all of that, like in a town, uh, even in like our local town, Chambersburg, back then. And uh, so I would dig into, uh, try to figure out why, you know. Uh, why do, does it seem that business after business after business seem to fail in one area and thrive in another area? Like, was it just that people sucked as business people, you know? Or was there something else? Was there something energetic that was causing it and uh, over the course of several years um, I made a lot of interesting discoveries uh, some of them were uh, unexpected <laughs> to say the least some of them were bizarre uh, some of them were really intense uh, to the point point where I made a conscious decision to completely unplug from it and um, we dissolved our nonprofit and all of that uh, just because it got to be a lot. Um, and you'll understand why as I go along. And uh, so 
what uh, brought this back to mind, um, I've actively been involved in uh, some of this type of stuff for years. And what actively brought it back was um, over the weekend from Thursday till Saturday, I was in Reno um, on a business trip meeting with some e-com guys. And um, I had a red eye on the way um, uh, on the way home. So I arrived like early Sunday morning and decided to just stay up for the day to help my body acclimate to you know west coast east coast sticker shock (laughs) and uh so ended up being up for like 36 hours and then uh went to bed and as you would imagine i slept pretty decent but over the course of the night i had um a recurring dream it happened twice and some dreams are you know like pizza dreams where you know they're silly and crazy and you're not, not quite sure what they mean if anything And then there's other dreams that you have that are very poignant and stand out to you and you wake up, excuse me, just knowing that there's something to them. And uh, I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about. And, you know, there's also like lucid dreams where you can interact and, you know, I have um, those pretty frequently. Those are the most fun just because I like asking questions and and I'm curious. But um, in this dream... um, the first dream didn't wake me up, but the second time that I had it, it did. And it was the exact same dream at two different times. And uh, so the dream was pretty straightforward. Um, I was uh, in the dream. I was laying down. I don't know if it was in my bed or where I was exactly. doesn't really matter. And um, I was thinking about genealogy stuff because I've been doing... A lot of intense genealogy research and um, related to my dad's dad and all of that and um, I was thinking about all of that and all of a sudden I saw this um, piece of sheet metal I guess it kind of reminded me of like the old style metal ruse but it was like a four by eight foot sheet so it was like bigger than me and I noticed that it was standing like, um, like if I'm laying down horizontally, it was like initially standing up like at the foot of my bed, but it was just this piece of metal. And, and I felt the metal come over top of me and I, well, I saw it come over top of me and, uh, it didn't scare me. Like there was no fear attached to this experience. Okay. Um, which isn't always the case, but in this case, there was no fear. But the weight of the metal got heavier and heavier. Now, the metal itself, like, you know how in dreams sometimes you just kind of know certain things, right? So um, the metal itself wasn't the weight. Like, I knew that. But I didn't necessarily and still don't necessarily understand why it was metal. Um, But it definitely was. Like, that was an obvious part of the dream that it was metal like corrugated metal um but it was incredibly heavy and it kept pushing down on me more and more um to where like i didn't feel like my life was in danger but it was it felt really heavy like hundreds of pounds Um, and so eventually I was able to push it off to the side and push it off of me and get free of it. 
And the moment that I pushed it off, um, there was uh, an address that flashed onto the metal and, in, and imprinted into the dream um, that was 42 South Main Street. Well, that is the address of our toy store. And uh, so the first time it happened, I didn't wake up. The exact same dream happened the second time, and I did wake up. And so around the same time, Kristen was awake, uh, probably a bathroom break, uh, most likely, because we both, you know, well, you know, you don't need to know that. But anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, we started talking. It's three in the morning. We're having this conversation, and uh, I was wide awake. I mean, like, just completely wide awake and uh so we started talking about this and almost immediately i had a sense of what what it was about um and uh one of the things that's been going on at our toy store lately is that um there um we have a parking lot behind us and then uh there's like a an alleyway uh, that's now a walkway. You can't drive on it, but uh, that's beside the store. And a lot of the wiring and everything was all, you know, poles and those kinds of things. And so they've dug up the um, the alleyway between our store and the uh, store next to us, and the entire parking lot um, because they're resurfacing the parking lot and they're putting all the wires underground. And um, it's created. A variety of problems. Uh, one was that our uh, Comcast, our internet, had to be rewired. They never kind of told us that and just disconnected our internet uh, during the day while we had customers in the store and our POS is internet-based. So it made for uh, checking people out interesting um, until I brought in a backup MiFi card. Uh, and then we later found out just yesterday actually it's been going on for a couple weeks but yesterday we found out that um, whenever they wired it the city workers put on the wrong uh, ends on the the cable connectors and so it was causing a feedback loop and distortion which kept causing our internet to crash over the last couple weeks on a regular basis uh, we had an intense rainstorm and part of our basement flooded, which is where we keep our inventory. Um, so there's been a lot of like little things like that. And uh, so whenever I woke up from the dream and I thought about the fact that it was referring to our address, the first thing that clicked into my mind, because I've done so much related to land-based issues, um, I realized that with them doing the work that they're doing next to our building and all of that, they disturbed the foundation. And uh, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that when you start messing with foundations, it stirs things up. You know, it's like old the saying, old habits die hard. Well, um, it's kind of the same way energetically when it comes to land. Um, whenever you start messing with land, it can stir things up. It's just the way it is. Okay. Um, I can't, you know, I could give some fancy reasons as to why, um, 
and I don't think we need those to move forward in today's discussion. But I mean, think about it from a, a, a humanity perspective. You know, if somebody keeps irritating you, you know, like like you as a person, somebody keeps coming up and taps you in the head and starts poking you, and the dog is biting you in the toe, and they're irritating you. What's going to happen? You know, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to lash back. You know, whatever. And you might think, yeah, well, that's a human trait. You're talking about land. Well, land, buildings, all of it, believe it or not, is as live energetically as we are as human beings. You know, they don't necessarily breathe and all of that uh, per se, but Earth, of course, Mother Earth is alive. And you poke her enough, she's going to poke back. But whenever you also factor in that, like with our building, I, I don't know the exact date of when it was built. Um, I know that there was a structure there at least from the very early uh, 1800s. And uh, our town was burned during the Civil War, and uh, including the building that we're in. Uh, and there's proof of it in the foundation. You can see it. It's very interesting in the basement. Um, and then it was rebuilt, uh, as many of the buildings were. And, uh, the furthest back I've gotten in research on our specific building is, um, 130 years. And I know that 130 years ago, um, there was a grocery store in our space, uh, where we are now. And the grocery store was there for quite a number of years. Um, at least into the early 1900s. Um, and then in the 1920s, there was a shoe store there called Endicott Johnson's, which you may be familiar with that um, company. It was very popular and all over the place for years. And uh, they were in our space for 50 years. And then uh, they closed in the 70s. And then after that, there were a couple small businesses. And then a, a bookstore was in there. Um, called Twice Read Books and Comics, which uh, was there for quite a number of years. I shopped in there, I remember it very well. It was stacked floor to ceiling with all kinds of books and stuff. Got some great deals on Star Wars comics there once. Uh, but anyway, so they finally went out of business uh, due to the owner's health and all of that. And then it said vacant for a while and then um, there was a like a tea room that was there for about a year. Um, and it closed due to owner health issues. And then um, the building set vacant for almost two years and then we went in there as a toy store. So what does the history lesson mean? Well, it means that uh, for our particular store location, uh, and I'm gonna push this out beyond our store here in a little bit, but for our particular store location, think about it, just going back to 130 years ago okay so that would be what 1888 okay so going back to 1888 from at least that time how many hundreds thousands of people do you think have been in that location okay um there's apartments that are above us so people obviously live there um how many people lived on that premises over the last 130 years? Um, these are people who lived their lives, uh, folks that worked there, they were there every day. 
Um, they had good days. They had bad days, just like you and I. Uh, so there were lots of emotions. Um, there was prosperous times. There were non-prosperous times. Um, they saw the uh, First and Second World Wars. Um, probably people who lived there or worked there or shopped there were involved in that. Um, went through the Depression. Um, there were stores that closed because of companies going bankrupt. There were stores that closed because of health issues. And so keeping all of that in mind, all of that ha can have an effect on that location. Okay. Now, I don't need to know all the details, you know, and you'd never find them out. It's impossible to find all the details, you know, like we discussed. But what it does, and one of the things that I realized is that all of that information, all that data, so to speak, is very similar to what we would see in a human's genetic code. Okay, because your traits, your attributes, your health conditions, um, you know, where you came from, your origins, all that stuff is stored in our genetic code, right? Well, whenever you pull all that data together, you know, even history and all of that, it points to a specific location. So, you know, like if we were to have a conversation about time travel, which we may at some point, who knows? Oh, <laughs> I have some interesting thoughts about that, but. Um, you know, it isn't just a matter, uh, it's like, oh, you know, I'd love to see what the toy store was like back in the late 1800s, you know, so I dial in 42 South Main Street and type in 1888 and, you know, boom, there I go. You know, that's how it's portrayed in the movies, but that really isn't reality because there's a lot more involved in getting to a specific point in time you know i mean for one thing the position of the earth might have been in a different spot in the grand scheme of going around the sun 130 years ago than what it is today you know so you could transport back 130 years ago and end up in the middle of freaking space because the earth is on the other side of the sun right now <laughs> you know i mean you just don't know things like that and then the solar system is rotating around the outer arm of the milky way you know there's a lot of location-based kinds of things, all of which have an impact on energy flow. Um, so normally we think of like the flow of blood and all of that kind of stuff in our bodies. There's different types of energy flows that happen uh, relating to Mother Earth, if you will. We can refer to the Earth that way. Um, and so it all has an impact. And then uh, people's emotions, like if somebody died in, on that space, all of those kinds of things can uh, create a marker uh, for that building. And so uh, whenever Kristen and I first took possession of that uh, building, we're not the owners, uh, we're renting. Um, one of the first things that we did was we walked through the basement, walked through the, the space itself before we had anything in there. And... Um, we uh, did a blessing on it and uh, we used sage and tobacco and all of that, you know, so very typical Native American smudge. And, you know, went through and fanned the smoke through the whole location and all of that. Now, does that mean that the smoke is magical and somehow it just makes everything go away? 
No, it has nothing to do with magic. Okay. Um, it has everything to do with energy. Um, it's been proven that a lot of those ingredients, the smoke uh, counteracts negative ions and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So there's scientific fact behind how and why some of that stuff works. But also understand that there's a lot more um, behind the scenes, as it were, than what you and I understand. There's a lot of things at work, you know, um, things that we can't see. And uh, so I found that at times, you know, um, whenever you're addressing issues, it requires a different approach, or sometimes it requires uh, an ongoing approach. And like I know, um, did you ever have an experience where you were visiting somebody and you walked in, you were in a really good mood, and all of a sudden, you get there to their house, or maybe you've had this even happen in your own house, where all of a sudden you just feel angry, you know, or you feel depressed. And you weren't five minutes ago. And then you walk into a location or into, you know, something happens, or maybe somebody comes to visit and, you know, they leave. And then, you know, over the next couple of days, all hell breaks loose, you know things start breaking in your house and you and your spouse get into big arguments and normally that's not like you and you know well that's all because of energetic signatures okay I like to call it um, sometimes people bring around entourages with them and uh, you know they they come crowded <laughs> they bring visitors with them uh, you can call it whatever you want ghosts, spirits demons whatever um, very often it actually isn't that uh, but so imagine 130 years of that daily in a location okay so I think you can understand why it's worth paying attention to and so normally like even here at, at our house Kristen's and my house um, when things start breaking or happening uh, we very 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 seldom have a disagreement like almost never and we're around each other a lot um, but whenever we do like that's not normal okay and it gets our attention and um, we start going okay so what happened who, who was here at the house you know is there something significant and you know we'll pray over the house we'll put salt around the doors whatever we feel led to do you know go through with some sage you know whatever which usually that's what we do um, sometimes I've walked the perimeter you know sometimes just doing the house was enough you know I'm sure at times my neighbors have thought I was crazy but here's the way I look at it I would rather appear as crazy and have peace or follow the status quo and just deal with whatever's going on I like peace myself I like things to flow and work the way they're supposed to. And so what we recognized is that this weight um, that was on the back of this metal related to our store is just simply an indication that because of the foundation work that's being done around our store, some stuff got stirred up. And it isn't necessarily evil um, per se. Um, it isn't necessarily ghosts or anything like that. I guess it could be, um, but I kind of doubt that that's what we'll discover. 
Um, but it's just the energy. The energy got stirred up. And sometimes, you know, whenever you have flow that's blocked, think about um, a beaver dam in a river, right? What happens? Things start getting backed up and then there's, it goes all over in directions that it shouldn't be and the flow is hindered. And so I think that's what's going on with, you know, our location and it's why I had the dream. It was just a reminder saying, yo, Tony, you guys got to address this. And so, um, so we're going to do that tomorrow. Um, and, uh, probably have some of our employees join us, uh, just because, I mean, it, we'll see. Um, so, you know, it, it's easy at times to attach fear to some things like that. Um, but what I've learned over time is that it's not necessary. You know, we often tend to fear what we don't understand. And um, whenever we see some weird and wacky things, um, it's easy to get scared. But fear doesn't get you to where you need to be. Okay. Um, and trust me, I've seen some really, really strange and weird things um, related to land. Uh, and think about this. Um, think about like, uh, for those of you who, you know, lean in this direction, like Sedona. Why is Sedona um, so well known in Arizona? Because <coughs> there are energy vortexes there and you can feel it. Like there's something different. Um, you may say that there's something off about that place, but I wouldn't say it's off in a negative sense, but there's definitely something different. I've experienced um, things with those specific vortexes before. Um, really cool, unexplainable things. Um, but Sedona isn't the only place that has um, that type of dynamic. Uh, it's literally everywhere. And I remember... Um, uh, gosh, it was years ago, whenever we were at the height of uh, healing the land, there was a big reconciliation event that was happening at a park in New York City. And it's the same location where the World's Fair was. I forget the name of the park now. And uh, the organizers wanted to make sure that um, that everything went off as a, uh, without a hitch. And and they had some understanding of the impact of local, uh, you know, location-based issues. And so we were hired uh, to research it all to find out if there were any issues that needed to be addressed that happened in that space where the meeting was going to take place. There were tens of thousands of people there ultimately that showed up. And um, so I... Uh, headed up all the research and everything uh, for the land. And it means a lot of digging into, you know, what was there from the beginning. I took it back to uh, as best I could into the 1700s, you know, and the native tribes that were there. I interviewed uh, like present day tribal chiefs and got their feedback from, you know, historical events that they were aware of and with their people all of that kind of stuff. So all said and done, um, I had a small team working with me and we each took different uh, sections. And so we ended up with about an inch thick stack of research just for this park. 
And then um, a couple days before the event, uh, we had a team of maybe 12, uh, and we walked the entire park with this research and started um, speaking uh, speaking into the earth, for lack of a better way of saying it. That's what we did. We were just uh, praying blessings and you know releasing any negative energy and all that kind of stuff that was there. And uh, it was quite an interesting experience. Nothing really weird or odd happened. Um, but one thing that was cool was that the the event itself, whenever it finally did occur, was much better than anybody anticipated. There was a lot of really positive healing type things that happened. And uh, it was, it was very, very interesting. Um, I had some fairly bizarre Chinese food <laughs> while I was there that I really wish I didn't actually look at, just ate. Um, but, you know, I lived. Uh, but it was a really cool experience. Sometimes, though, um, there were things that happened that um, didn't go quite that smoothly, where we would go into an area where there was some very strange things happening uh, energetically. You could call them hauntings or whatever you want. Um, most of the times I found that in areas where you have quote-unquote ghosts or people think that, you know, a building or an area or whatever is haunted, it actually isn't like an evil spirit or something like that. Um, they're pretty harmless. It's usually just like trapped energy, like, a, like an echo almost of sorts. And, um, but once in a while, <laughs> you, you do encounter some, some nasties. Um, I remember though, I got so, um, casual with it all that you just get used to it. Uh, for lack of a better way of saying it. I remember, uh, one of the things that my first wife and I would do is go through people's houses to clear those houses of you know, weird things that were going on. And we would get very, I don't know, we had fun. We, we enjoyed it. You know, we would, I remember we were at this one house and, uh, there was definitely something there, you know, um, I don't think it was a ghost or anything like that, but there was definitely some kind of energy there. I had done some research on the house and the land that was there and there wasn't anything necessarily related to the land. I think it was more connected to the people who lived there before. Um, and so, uh, we walked through the house and there really wasn't anything to speak of until we got to the couple's bedroom. And it was very obvious that there was something there. And, uh, I mean, you could feel it, uh, you know, like you would hold your hand out. I don't know if you, any of you have ever experienced this. It's kind of crazy. Um, but you could hold your hand out and like in one area of the room, it would be like normal temperature, 70 degrees. And you'd move your hand six inches to the right. And it was like 15 degrees colder. And you could literally almost map out the area where this cold area was, you know, and it's just an energetic kind of thing, energy. Um, and so I started talking about it, the couple standing there. My first wife, Deborah, is there, and uh, she was very much like a, an intuitive, so she would pick up on things. I just, you know, I didn't see lo the way she did, but um, 
she looked up over at me and she says, uh, did you notice over there by the, um, over by the closet? And I said, oh yeah. I said, yeah, I noticed. And I, so I walked over there and the couple's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, there's something right here. I'm like, look, see, hand in, it's cold. Hand out, it's warm. And and so I'm just like, it's right here. And I'm like drawing this little map with my hands around the front of their closet. And uh, it wasn't the first time I encountered something like that. So, you know, it didn't really freak me out or scare me. But it did freak out the, uh, the homeowners uh, a little bit because we're having this conversation about, oh, yeah. And you remember the time where we had the same kind of thing and it was at this place and and uh, so I'm just talking about standing right next to this cold spot. And finally, the owner's wife says, will you please just get this thing out of my house? <laughs> you know, she was totally freaked out. It was hilarious. Um, and so like, oh, yeah, sorry. And, you know, so we said what we felt led to say and, you know, spoke a blessing over the house and everything. And it left. I mean, it was like really easy. Um, there was another time where we were at a place and, um, the homeowner's mother had died in the house and, uh, but they also had some things that, uh, they had purchased years and years ago that, um, well, let's just say they got more than what they bought. And, uh, so we went through the house and just kept going from room to room to room. And finally we ended up in the basement and um, we were down there with the owners and um, I got this picture in my head of this thing setting on like this throne kind of thing. And, and somehow I just had the sense that it was like death or some kind of spirit connected to death. And uh, so in my boldness... <coughs> I just said, I see you sitting on that throne and you're not welcome in this house anymore. So you, you need to go. You know, it wasn't quite like that, but it was essentially that. And all of a sudden the owner of the house started choking and dropped to the ground and something was strangling him. All the doors that were open slammed shut simultaneously. Um, you know, the lights are flickering. It's like, oh, okay. So we pissed something off. Um, and so... I went over to the owner and told the thing to let him go. And um, Deborah went and opened up all the doors again. And we made the thing leave and then it left and, you know, whatever. So those are some of the kinds of extreme things. I mean, there's been other times where, you know, you get into a location and there's obviously something. Something, um, something is amiss. Uh, but it isn't always necessarily one, one of the things that I discovered is that it isn't always necessarily a spirit. It isn't necessarily evil um, or anything like that at all. Um, so, uh, But I have found that in every case, there's energy attached in some form or another. Uh, and I'll give you a really good example. Um, if you have... Uh, a location and it happens to set on top of like a cavern or a cave system or something like that especially if there's water flowing um, 
uh, through the cave or cave system, like Pennsylvania, for instance, uh, sits on a giant aquifer. Um, most all of Pennsylvania is floating. Um, it's been proven. Years ago, I remember there was a guy who went up through the town that I lived in, Upper Shawsburg, and they were um, doing like a ground sonar where they would like, they had this big metal plate that they would smack the ground and then they would uh, measure the uh, time delays and the echo and all that and they were mapping our whole county uh, looking for oil and natural gas and stuff like that and so my dad and I went out and talked with the guys as they were coming through because we kept hearing this like real loud stomping type noise and like what on earth is going on you know so we went and talked to the guys and they told us what they were doing and they showed us you know and because I you know I nerd out over stuff like that and my dad did too. And, uh, and we're like, well, what are you discovering? He's like, y'all are floating. You know, you're just floating on water. Well, our whole valley is limestone. You know, uh, you go back, I don't know, 100 million years ago or whatever, uh, where we live now used to be the bottom of a sea. And, you know, limestone is very indicative of that. You know, it's microorganisms that are compressed together. And uh, what's interesting is if you go up on top of our local mountains, the further up you go, you start discovering things like fossils and uh, sandstone at the top of the mountains, you know. So it's very, very interesting and not surprising that there'd be water underneath us. But because of the water and the limestone, which really isn't a super dense stone, there's a lot of caverns and caves in our area. And so whenever you have um, a large room, like a cave, and you have water flowing through that, it can create very specific vibrations, uh, very specific energetic type of vibrations um, that can lead to certain kinds of sounds. And um, there is a certain level of sound it's referred to as infrasound. Um, it typically is below uh, 10 hertz. So it's beyond the level that we can hear. Uh, normally humans, uh, like typically whenever you like get headphones or speakers or whatever, they're normally rated like from 20 hertz to 20,000 uh, kilohertz or whatever it is. And so infrasound is extremely low. Um, it's very often generated by the earth from a lot of different reasons, including, you know, the one that I just shared, water flowing through caves and stuff like that. But the thing that's interesting about uh, infrasound is that the wavelengths are extremely long. They can penetrate anything. But there's been experiments done where, um, uh, matter of fact, there was an experiment done in France uh, several years ago um, at a theater in Paris and uh, they uh, took a number of devices that had the ability to produce infrasound and they decided that um, like everybody who was attending this concert agreed that you know to participate in an experiment but they didn't really know what the experiment was because they didn't want to slant it um, and so at some point during the concert they switched on these devices that generated infrasound and they noticed, you know, they noted the time and the length and all that kind of stuff and then interviewed attendees after the concert and asked if they experienced anything. 
And they said that it, at a certain point in time, all of a sudden they realized that they felt scared, um, that the hairs on their arms were standing up. Some of them had goosebumps. Some of them felt like running. They felt fearful or uneasy. Uh, some felt nauseous. And um, they didn't really understand why. Well, what they've discovered is that infrasound can often produce that. And so there are certain areas, where, uh, certain land areas, where, you know, they're perceived as cursed or haunted or, you know, those kinds of things, when in reality, it's nothing more than low-level vibrations, you know, low-level frequencies that very often is generated from the Earth itself. And uh, I've experienced that. I've seen it. Uh, myself in some of our adventures but one of the other things that I'll share is that sometimes it um, you will encounter the nasties and the reason why is because the earth works just like human beings the earth works based on power everything is about power and energy you think about the magnetosphere you think about the the energy um, that would obviously produce through the flow of lava um, you know the tectonic plates rubbing up against each other a lot of energy uh, that takes on different forms and so as a result um, energy equals power and uh, some folks have figured out, um, certainly Native American shamans figured this out a long time ago, have figured out how to use that power, how to use that energy, and they will protect it at all costs. <coughs> and sometimes that protection could get very, very interesting. Um, one of the experiences that we had regarding that specifically was um, when we started gaining a lot of popularity um, and attention uh, regarding what we were doing with the land, you know, where we would go into certain areas that were had obvious issues and help address those. Um, we ended up on the radar of certain people groups that weren't necessarily happy with what we were doing. And uh, so some strange things started happening at our house. Um, as a way of discouraging us uh, we would have like events and um, you know I remember the the first event we had um, things started happening to our speakers because uh, you know reconciliation you know those kinds of things not everybody wants peace you know <laughs> all you have to do is watch the news today fake or real and you can see that that's true and so I remember our first event, um, you know, our speakers were getting sick. One of our speakers, her son was in a car accident, same time she was speaking. There were a lot of things like that that were going on simultaneously. Um, we took a big hit uh, with that kind of stuff. Uh, Health-wise, um, one of our speakers ended up in a, a mental facility for a while. It's like he lost his mind. Um, one of our team... Um, who I thought was perhaps ready uh, <laughs> for dealing with some of this 
but wasn't. Um, she ended up in a mental facility. Um, there were a lot of health attacks and stuff like that. Um, and you could say, you know, that we were dealing with witches and those types of things. I don't necessarily believe that, you know, all witchcraft is black magic and all that. Um, at least that's been my experience. Uh, but there are some out there that do embrace the dark side. And uh, so we would have things happen here at the house like, um, you know, we'd be out somewhere and come home and there would be like six blackbirds lined up equidistant across the front of our yard. We would have pentagrams burned into the yard. Um, one time we were out meeting with one of our speakers who was going to speak at a future event. Um, he is from North Carolina or Tennessee, but he was speaking in uh, Maryland. So we went to meet with him. We came home and there was a cat that was gutted and put right on our front porch. Um, just a lot of not nice things. Um, and then there's health attacks and all of that kind of stuff. And so one of the things that I will say, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of like going to look for a fight. Um, but it's also important to be aware that stuff like this happens and it exists. And, uh, you know, one of the things that terrifies me and very little does, um, is whenever I see people, especially church-related people, no offense to church, I mean, I grew up in a church, but you get quote-unquote prayer warriors that are going to storm the gates of hell, why on earth would you ever do that, you know? It's like going to pick a fight, you know, and it's not like the devil's going to get you, it's nothing like that at all, but there's greater things at work here in the earth than many people understand and uh, a lot of it has to do with earth energy you know there's a lot to be said for earth energy and you know you can choose to believe it or not i mean that's i'm not here to force my beliefs on anybody i'm just sharing my experiences but i know that the energy works i mean i remember you know i figured some things out how to tap into some of that energy myself i there was a time where I could walk down the road at night with pole lights on and just point at a pole light and knock it out. Like it would just like that. And it became a joke. I would do it, do it as a fun prank more than anything. I mean, I wouldn't touch the pole or anything, but it's like, I'd be driving down the road and I would park alongside of the road under a pole light and it would go out like not once or twice, like every time it was like the running joke, you know? So I started looking for, parking areas that weren't directly around lights because, you know, you end up in the dark. Um, but I remember when Kristen and I got first got together, I didn't know how she felt about a lot of those kinds of things. And uh, so we were somewhere, I don't even remember where now. And I said, hey, you want to see something cool? And she said, sure. And so I said, see that polite over there? And she said, yeah. And I said, watch. And I just pointed at it and boom, you know, went out. And she's like, how'd you do that? And I'm like, well, you know, you learn some things here and there. And uh, <laughs> she was cool with it, fortunately. I mean, she's like, well, that's not, you know, like, I get it. That doesn't scare me. And I'm like, good, you know, because I'm weird that way. Um, but a lot of that power doesn't, like, 
one thing that you're going to learn through our discussions and maybe through your own research and maybe you figured this out is that everything comes down to power uh, in one form or another. Um, everything that's going on in the world right now is power and flow. Power and flow, those two things together. Whenever flow stops, something happens. Um, whenever flow is misdirected, something happens. Um, anytime it's uh, flow is controlled and power is controlled, something happens. Same is true with land. Um, it just it's just the way it is. Um, and the more we can understand it, and the more we realize it, the more you see it. I mean, think about it this way: you have our bodies, our human bodies. Uh, if you look at the human body, we have branches, right? We have our arms, we have our legs, our toes, the branches. You look at a tree, it has branches. You look at pretty much any plant, it has branches, roots or branches. What is the purpose of those uh, branches? To direct energy flow, right? You got the nutrients coming up through the roots into the trees. You got the sun coming down, hitting the, the leaves. And the energy from the sun is, you know, converted through photosynthesis and fed into the tree. It's energy flow. Same thing with our bodies. And you have um, our nervous system, our blood, our lymphatic system. Um, all of that is energy flow. Okay? It's all energy flow. You'll look at the rivers. Um, <laughs> rivers are just branches you know, that have a natural flow to them. What happens whenever the flow stops? It gets stagnant. Something happens. Um, things start to die or whatever. So life requires flow. And um, I, you can point to more and more systems, uh, weather, hurricanes, lightning, um, ice crystals, uh, glaciers, uh, pretty much anything. You spill a soda on the floor, you're going to have flow <laughs> and a mess. Um, but the reality is, that's just the way it is. If you look at how our magnetosphere is, you look at how the solar system works, you look at how um, uh, the universe itself, the galaxies and the universe, uh, everything is flowing together. So obviously there's something to it. So uh, if that's true on so many levels, why would that not exist on others? And the truth is that it exists everywhere. I mean, for crying out loud, even, you know, if you get down to the atomic level and observe atoms, you know, what are atoms? They're uh, little, you know, these, you have these little specks, <laughs> you know, electrons and neutrons and protons, and they're all spinning around each other uh, based on energy. You know, so again, you have this flow going on and then the way they assemble together, you know, it's a branching effect. Look at our uh, DNA. It's a series of branches. Look at our families, family tree. Where do you think that comes from? Because it's nothing but branches, right? And so in all of my research and study over the last 15 plus years, I recognized that in those branch systems and power systems that the earth uh, certainly qualifies for that as well. And so it's something to think about, something to consider, you know, um, and that's really one of my goals in some of these discussions 
is to help you see and think differently or or <clears throat> to verify that you are indeed not crazy or maybe you are <laughs> you know some people would probably think I'm totally nutso um, and I'm okay with that uh, that doesn't bother me at all uh, because I know what I know you know we all have our own experiences and uh, as I mentioned in the uh, the the landing page for this uh, series you know there's things that happen with us that we don't necessarily understand or perhaps we do but it's not socially acceptable um, it can be very off-putting some of those experiences and we don't know how to deal with them um, and because it's not necessarily socially acceptable uh, we tend to suppress it because we don't want people to think we're crazy or weird or whatever and I can relate I mean you know I've shared just a few of the stories over the last couple of weeks of things that I've experienced and some of it's out there I mean no doubt about it you know aliens ghosts you know weird land stuff you know what <laughs> it's kind of odd but by the same token I'm not alone um, and chances are likely that most everyone who's here live or who's listening to the replay um, have had experiences like that as well, both positive and negative. Um, I mentioned Sedona earlier. So whenever I was in Sedona, I was there with my family, and um, I just wanted to go. You know, I mean, anytime you hear talk about energy vortexes and stuff like that, I'm like, there, dude. You know, it just fascinates me. Remember, I'm intensely curious about, like, everything. So we were sitting there, and we drove through town. Um, you know, a lot of downtown is like a tourist trap kind of thing with all kinds of interesting places to visit. But um, there was this uh, place that I wanted to go to at the other end of town. And uh, there's, like, a, a tarot reader and a bead shop and uh, a bookstore and some other things. This has been a few years ago, so I'm not sure if it's still there. Pardon me. And um, so we went there and we went shopping and everything. It was a gorgeous day, sunny, clear, no wind, nothing. You know, it's like middle of July. So it was just really beautiful. And uh, so we went in there and uh, uh, my uh, first wife, Deborah, and the girls went into the bead shop, of course. And uh, I went into the bookstore, and at that time, like, uh, uh, tarot and all of that really wasn't my thing at all, um, so I didn't quite know what to think. I was still undecided at that point. Um, and uh, so we came back out, and we wanted to go get some lunch or something, and we got in our van, and I turned the key, and nothing happened no click no anything it was like dead as dead can be and so i uh sat there for a few minutes and my wife said what are you gonna do and i'm like i don't know well let's just see what happens so waited a couple minutes nothing tried it again nothing so i called AAA, and they said well you know we can have somebody there but it's going to be like 90 minutes and uh you know we can tell you back because we were staying in 
Williams, Arizona, which is, I guess, the closest town to the Grand Canyon. So I think that's where we were staying. And Sedona is below Flagstaff, so we were a bit of a ways from home, so to speak. And uh, so we decided to just sit there and wait. And uh, while we're sitting there, I got this idea, you know, like, why don't we, like, pray over the car? And so it was hot. We were sitting in it. And so I just suggested it to um, Deborah and the girls. You know, we have nothing to lose. Why don't we just pray over the car? And uh, like, okay. So I'm like sitting in the driver's side. And I literally, this is how I prayed. Um, God, we're here in Sedona and the van won't start. And we need to get back to our hotel. I'm not sure what's going on, but you do. So would you please fix whatever needs fixed so that the van will start? Literally, that's how I prayed. <laughs> you know, no amen, no Jesus name, no anything. I just, you know, put the, I felt kind of ridiculous, actually. But nonetheless, so we're sitting there. And uh, a couple minutes later, all of a sudden, this wind starts picking up. And I thought it was odd, <clears throat> but, you know, because it was perfectly calm, perfectly sunny. There was not a cloud in the sky. And all of a sudden, this wind picks up and it starts blowing harder and harder and harder to where it's like blowing, like the tarot reader, you know, she's in front of us, blows her table away. And there's signs in the road and the signs are starting to blow down. Um, and then all of a sudden, all the power goes out all around us. Like, boom, everything goes out. And, um, and then just as quickly as the wind started, it died down to nothing again. So it was like a minute, you know, where maybe two minutes total, you know, where this wind picks up, it's blowing like crazy, uh, blowing stuff all over the place. And then power goes out and then the wind goes away. And as soon as the wind goes away, I have this thought pop into my head. Why don't you try the car? <laughs> so I put my key in the in the ignition turn it and the car started right up just perfect never had another problem with it after that and so i called up AAA and you know told them never mind and uh, so we're driving down through the town and because the power was out there were people out in the streets you know because they couldn't really use the cash registers or anything like that so there was a lot of people out in the street and so we're driving down through the town and i'm like uh Sorry for the power being out, but our car's running now. <laughs> so have fun, enjoy the rest of your day, you know, that kind of thing. And it was just one of those fun, weird kind of experiences that you can have in Sedona, um, but other places as well, of course. Uh, but anyway, you know, um, one of the things that I would admonish you in is that uh, I can tell you from personal experience 
there's a lot of weird and wonderful and wacky and strange mm-hmm. things that happen mm-hmm. and exist in the earth. Um, I would not necessarily encourage you to go seeking them. You know, I mean, like going to Sedona is one thing. It's pretty harmless. But there are other areas where you just don't want to be. And um, to think that you can take on certain areas and fix them is incredibly naive and egotistical. Um, Because some of the powers that be play for keeps. And they can take you out um, in health and other ways. Um, And again, I'm speaking from personal experience. I've seen a lot. I've told just a fraction of story experiences. Um, I've seen a lot. And so uh, to the point where uh, our family was getting hit so much that we walked away from all of it. It's like, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I don't go looking for fights, (laughs) you know? I like living a peaceful, calm life. Uh, And it just wasn't that. Uh, It was anything but. And what was interesting was as soon as we took our focus off of that stuff, I mean, like, there was a point where I could even research. Like, I was doing research on Mother Earth or uh, Mother Goddess uh, stuff um, because, you know, um, if you do do a lot of early archaeological research you'll notice that um, uh, different types of uh, idols and things like that that show up are all mother earth mother goddess are related which naturally show uh, so because of you know uh, agriculture and all of those things you know mothers giving birth you get it all it's another energy flow Um, but I would get sick um, every time I really dig into Mother Goddess stuff to the point where I eventually just stopped. And, uh, I mean, that was, again, years ago. I don't think it would affect me the same way today. But um, but I still haven't touched it. I'll just add that. Uh, but what I realized was is that as soon as I stopped focusing on that and just focused on love and peace and those types of things all the insanity um, that happened here at the house and in our lives and everything stopped. Like, almost notably so. Like, noticeably so. It's just like, boom, gone. Um, And I thought, you know what? There really is something to this. And then, you know, I'd have friends that would approach me who were heavily involved in church or whatever, and they would say, hey, you know, you guys know a lot about um, well, this is after I was divorced, actually. Like, you know a lot about the land and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I would see people do weird things. Like, they would post on Facebook and stuff. And it's like, yeah, we think this one area of Pennsylvania is cursed. And so we were taking the communion elements and praying over them and pouring them into the river and all of that. And I'm like, oh, dear God. You know, like, I've created a monster. Um, you know, because it's just like wacky shit like that. Just don't do anything. It just doesn't work. Sorry. Um, You can believe it it works all you want, but it just doesn't work. Uh, If anything, it's just going to stir up things and cause more problems. Um, But he's like, you know, you know so much about it. Why aren't you out there doing more? And I'm like, dude, I am not looking for a fight. You know, I've, I've paid my dues. I've done my time. I'm not doing it anymore. Now, it's not to say that I don't do research because I, I still do. I still believe that it is what it is a hundred percent. I've learned a lot more in the last 15 years, especially regarding power flow. 
and energetic uh, type issues to know that it is important to pay attention. But I am not interested in looking for a fight. You know, so, you know, if you have some weird shit going on at your house, don't call me. <laughs> you know, call the Ghostbusters. That's what they're there for. <laughs> you know, uh, what's the one show on uh, Ghost Adventures? You know, call those guys. Um, but don't call me because <laughs> I won't help you. I may tell you how to research it, but I'm not going to come help you fix it. Um, but anyway, it's a really curious part of who I am. And quite honestly, I don't remember how or why um, I got involved in it, other than the fact that I was curious and loved to research. But, you know, I'll just leave that all there and take some comments and questions. We're right at the top of the hour. So let's see. Um, this isn't related, but it's still fun. Uh, Lori says, would you share the details of your upcoming block party? You're close enough to be a day trip, uh, to visit for the event. Yeah. So, um, May the 4th is Star Wars day. Uh, for those of you who don't know, like may the 4th be with you force fourth. It's a play on words. Nerds get it. Um, and so that's our first, our town's first, first Friday. Um, we have first Friday, like many towns do, over the course of the summer. And that's our first one. We thought initially that our store would be ready to be open by then. And so we um, decided to have a party. And, uh, of course, now we've realized that we are not going to be open. But we're still going to have a party. And what better way for a nerd store to have a party is on the Ultimate Nerd Day, May the 4th. And so what's fun is that we managed to get the entire town in on Star Wars Day. And so the theme of First Friday, May the 4th, is Star Wars Day. And so as a result, uh, we have like, um, we're having a party behind, we have a private parking lot behind our store at uh see what is it 47 d 47 south or north main um and uh so we're gonna have like a bounce house for adults uh we're gonna have food my sister and brother-in-law are gonna be there uh with their pulled pork and wings um we are one of the things that we're doing that we just couldn't resist is uh we, I'm sure you've probably seen videos on Facebook and stuff of the people in the inflatable T-Rex outfits, right? Uh, so we got different, like normally you see them in brown, but we got, um, we got two in the color colors of our nerd store, which is like black and green, like uh, what you see on the screen. And then um, our toy store colors are red and blue. So we have... Uh, red and blue T-Rexes and green and black T-Rexes. And so we're going to have uh, competitions where people will get to dress up in those inflatable T-Rex outfits. And then we have lightsabers. And so we're going to have lightsaber battles between people dressed up as dinosaurs. I mean, 
it really doesn't get much more nerd than that. Um, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And Chris and I are going to do it as well and do videos and everything. So it should be a lot of fun. But we also have like trivia stuff that's going on. Um, we're looking into uh, like cosplay type stuff. Um, we're looking into actual lightsaber tournaments and some of that kind of stuff. Some people are amazing at what they can do with that. Um, they're going to be spinning Star Wars tunes on Square. Um, we're going to uh, have um, like these crafts for kids where you can take like uh, pool noodles and turn them into your own little lightsabers. <laughs> so Kristen messaged me the other day and she's like, I just bought 96 pool noodles from <laughs> Five Below or whatever it was. And I'm like, like that didn't shock me, of course, but... I said, what did they say? It's like, well, they were kind of curious what we were going to do with them all. Um, but anyway, so there's going to be that. And there's some other things going on as well. So it starts, I think first Friday starts around 5, 5, I think it's 5 p.m. Um, until 8, I believe, is the time period there. But anyway, if you're fairly close to Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, um you're welcome to come and join us. We're going to have a lot of fun. So, anyhow, that's that. Stephanie says, How come they never account for Earth movement in time travel movies? Um, it's a good question. I've often thought that. Um, I'm, I'm going to chalk it up to somehow it's in their built into their algorithms that they have in the machines. And they just never talk about it. <laughs> but... Like, I think stuff like that all the time. Like, if you're traveling back in time, it's like, dude, the Earth ain't in the same place then as it was now, or, you know, is now. So you're going to end up lost in space somewhere. Um, but anyway, I think about stuff like that. Uh, William says, uh, it's also about recognition and honoring the past. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Uh, Gary said, I guess with regard to my dream, maybe it's just uh, due to your apprehension of doing this show. Now, actually, um, I decided to do the, talk about this after I had the dream. The dream is actually what sparked me to talk about this this week. I had something else in mind. Um, and William says, so are you saying that communities thrive or die because of the energy of the land in that community? Um, it can be an issue uh, for sure. Um, it, but again, you know, it's real easy for us to assign um, good and evil, positive and negative. Um, and that can be dangerous uh, to make those assignments because sometimes it isn't necessarily evil. That's why I uh, like it could be oppressive. OK, but even oppressive doesn't necessarily mean e uh, evil. But what it uh, often does mean is stuck, stuck energy, stagnate, like stagnation. Okay. Like if you look at a pond of water that has no flow in it and it's, you know, it's all scummed over and there's mosquitoes everywhere. Would you call that pond evil? Of course not. It's just stagnant, right? Because there's no flow there. And the same kinds of things can happen in areas energetically. But, I mean, there's also, like, 
I'll tell you, you know, we live 20 minutes from Gettysburg, right? The site of the largest um, battle during the Civil War. 50,000 men, you know, plus or minus lost their lives there over the course of three days. 50,000. Um, so they say. I mean, the numbers could obviously vary, but that's a lot of folks. And, uh, you know, Gettysburg is a town and tourist trap is a thriving community. But I'm telling you what, you go to certain areas and you can feel it. Like, there's no doubt. You can feel the energy from what took place there. And uh, lots of people have said that. And mm -hmm. incidentally enough, I mean, one of the things that you can do while you're in Gettysburg, and there's many different companies that do this, is do like ghost walks and that kind of stuff. Um, and I've never done those. Um, again, you know, <laughs> go back to my earlier comment of not looking for a fight. Um, like, I've seen all the weird spirit type stuff I need for the rest of my life. Um, so I'm not going to go look for it. Like, that's just stupid. Uh, but some people are fascinated by it. They're fascinated by the adrenaline rush of the fear that they feel and all that. And that's fine. I mean, if, if that's your idea of a good time, I'd rather just make a boatload of money or something and feel the same kind of rush. Um, but that aside, you know, you go to like Devil's Den, um, or places like that, or you go to Antietam Battlefield to Bloody Lane, um, there is no doubt that something happened there. Like you can tell, you can feel it. And so um, that energy, uh, which uh, in some cases I would say is stuck because of death. I mean, think I, I've never died, you know, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but I would imagine that death can be really confusing. You know, like you don't know what in the world just happened. And so you could feel stuck. Um, so that doesn't necessarily mean that ghosts or um, those kinds of things are evil, quote unquote, per se, or just demons, you know, looking to trick us all. Or, I mean, they could be pissed off. I mean, you know, somebody killed me or whatever. I might be pissed off, too. Um, and, you know, try to wreak havoc. havoc. But uh, that's because I'm stuck. You know, it's not because I'm evil. You get it? So... That's the probably one of the biggest lessons that I learned in all of that. It's real easy to assign good and bad to things. It's real easy to assign evil to things. But when it comes to assigning good or bad, uh, positive or evil, understand that those assignments are contextual. It's based on your context. You know, like if you're a Christian or not, if you follow another religion or not. And, um, and it even can affect uh, your belief system. Like if you're, you know, charismatic or Mennonite or whatever, your view of what's good and bad are going to be different compared to somebody else. So it's very, um, it's very contextual as to what we would assign as good or bad. That's why I tend to focus more on cause and effect. Cause and effect has nothing to do with good or evil. It has to do with data. You know, you do X, Y happens. It's data. And so when you look at um, energetic issues related to the land or people or whatever, and you move aside good and evil, good and bad, and look at it from cause and effect, it gives you a, uh, a different way of approaching it and dealing with it that doesn't assign meaning 
in a way that could get you in trouble. Like if you assign something as evil, and it's not to say that there aren't evil things out there, okay, don't mistake me, but if you assign something as evil right off the bat because you're going to storm the gates of hell, um, you're going to get a fight many times. And so there's prayer war warriors, quote unquote, out there who are getting sick and coming down with diseases and all kinds of unexplained things that they don't know why. And it's like, why on earth did you go looking for that fight? <laughs> you know, why, why do that? Um, you know, there's other ways of handling it. And, and so that's been my experience, you know, is to just, uh, but I, here's a good example from our local town. Um, there's an area of our town uh, called Southgate where um, businesses have really struggled for years, almost from the word go. You know, there's a mini strip mall there, all that kind of stuff. And uh, nobody could figure out why. So I started doing research on it 15 years ago, probably. And I made an interesting discovery. And the discovery was that the strip mall that they built, the parking lot that they built, they put on top of the native burial grounds. You just don't do shit like that, you know? Like, whoever thought that was a good idea was obviously mistaken, <laughs> you know? And as a result, to this day, businesses struggle to th thrive there. To this day. And... You know, so can reparations be made to fix that? Um, I don't know, honestly. You know, I would like, it, it's not like there's no magic words that you can go down and say or pray or whatever and all of a sudden everything's cool again. Like it just doesn't work that way. It's not to say that, you know, if I brought representatives of that tribe into the area, somebody in authority like a chief, and we, you know, did some kind of an exchange that could help it possibly I've, I've been in events like that where I've dealt with like the chief of the Lenape um, which was the dominant tribe in this area like the chief of the entire nation you know I've met I've gotten to know the person who was uh, the one gal that we uh, worked with was a direct line descendant of the chief who was in power when Pennsylvania was first founded. So, I mean, we went to that length where we would have direct line descendants of tribal chiefs. Um, and we saw some positive results in dealing with land issues. But, like, coordinating that and everything can be extremely challenging. And sometimes they just aren't interested. So, something to think about. Um, Irene says, uh, Flushing Meadow Park. I believe that sounds right. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm going to wrap this up soon. We're, <laughs> there's a lot of comments. I love it. Um, Stephanie says, do you think your sensitivity to the spirit world somehow attracts these entities and energies to you? Um, I, I would say that based on my experience, cause that's the only experience I can talk about. Um, I would say that there's things that we can say and do that kind of put us on the radar of 
you know, other things, whether they're aliens or spirits or whatever. Um, and apparently I figured out how to like draw a target on my back too, because <laughs> it kind of seemed that way. But I've often joked about that, um, in a serious way that, yeah, I think that, uh, whenever you start plugging into energy, uh, at any level, um, other things that are at that same vibration will take notice. You know, it's kind to me, it's not unlike like whenever you buy a car and all of a sudden you start seeing them everywhere, even though they've always been there. Um, now you're aware of them. Um, so they're on your radar, quote unquote. And I think the same kind of thing can happen energetically. And says the universe is energy. Absolutely. Uh, William asked, did you consciously learn to control and direct energy to knock out streetlights or did you just discover through learning that you had that ability? I'm the type of person that I try to figure out stuff like that, you know. So I would say it was probably like I recognize some things, um, you know, because I try to pay attention to what's going on around me. So I recognize some things and so uh, I've always been an experimenter. You know, even from when I was a kid, you know, hook up oscilloscopes to plants and see if you can affect them by saying certain kinds of words and take certain actions to see if they react. Um, I'll tell that story another time. But um, yeah, I would say that it was me experimenting. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've sat with, sat at a table with a glass sitting away from my hand and my hand sitting there and just focusing on trying to get that glass to move it hasn't yet but i'll get there <laughs> vicky says uh, we have a lot to learn from our indigenous uh, about working with all these energies more going on than we know pretty damn cool it really is and um you know i think one of the reasons why that our indigenous folks understand it a lot more than we do beyond perhaps like conversations with aliens um is that they didn't have the distractions that we do today and so it was a lot easier for them to pay attention and to notice things because they weren't distracted like we are Uh, Doris, with regard to the time, um, Central is just an hour behind Eastern. So simple math will get you here on time. You know, or you can go to time.gov and do a conversion or whatever. <laughs> William says, uh, it said that the line between brilliance and madness or, or craziness is very thin. Uh, yeah, I would totally, uh, <laughs> totally agree to that. Vicky says, I keep wondering if people like us, human sponges, full of curiosity and wanting those unusual experiences are info transmitters to the mothership. Probably. Maybe that's why that ship showed up back in uh, the 70s.
Uh, Tony says, electricity, gas, radio have all been discovered and developed recently. There has got to be other things that we can't see um, that are yet to be discovered. Thought transmission is uh, definitely one of them. Uh, you often know who's on the phone before you pick up. Oh, yeah, dude, there's a lot of stuff. You know, if you want some very, uh, if you want to take uh, trips down a bunch of rabbit holes, subscribe to Gaia.com. Uh, G-A-I-A.com. Lots of rabbit holes there. I'm just reading down through some of the uh, comments because I need to wrap things up. My goal is to uh, keep these to an hour, and I've obviously blown that today. Um, let's see. Um, this is a good question. I can't read them all, but I, I think we'll wrap up with this one because it's really good. Really good question from William. Um, he says, is there any significant difference between the vibrational level of positive versus negative emotions? Uh, terrific question. And what I've found through experience and through research is the answer to that is an absolute yes. Um, uh, positive thoughts tend to function at a higher vibrational level and negative thoughts at a lower vibrational level. And if you think about that from a purely scientific perspective, it makes sense because um, like what I was sharing earlier about infrasound is a very low vibrational level, very low. You know, it's below what we can hear. And those sounds tend to cause confusion, fear, negative reactions and there's nothing negative about it it's just a low frequency level okay so it kind of stands to reason but um think about like like in our language we acknowledge these things you know i'm really feeling up today what does that mean you're happy you're you know delighted i feel very light you know all of those kinds of references or i'm feeling down you know, um, depressed, negative. So it's, it's actually programmed into our language. Like we know it, but we don't necessarily think about it. So yeah, there's definitely something to that. <laughs> William says, but 90 minutes well spent. Well, thanks. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, interesting idea, uh, Gary, with the uh, dream writing. Perhaps we'll talk about that another time. There is so much, um, so much stuff that we can cover that's weird and out there and nerdish and, you know, all of that. So uh, I think we'll wrap things up for now. I appreciate everybody sharing your comments and insights and questions. As always, uh, we could continue this conversation in the Facebook group. Um, I will have the, uh, replay up on SoundCloud within the next hour or so. And so you can enjoy it there or on iTunes. It, it goes, 
I posted to SoundCloud and then SoundCloud posted to iTunes. So there's a little bit of a time delay in there, just however long it takes to upload from one to the other. But ultimately, you know, they're both available there. And if you'd, uh, I'd always appreciate comments or anything like that um, on either SoundCloud or iTunes. Just, you know, feedback is always better. And um, that's all I have. No idea what we'll talk about next week, but I guess we'll find out then. So enjoy the rest of your week, everyone, and we'll talk again soon.